Good evening. I was just uh, making a gasho, and my gasho is different now because my finger is now crooked. I used to have a perfect gasho. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I prided myself on my gasho, but it was recognized. <laughs> And now I could say that I have an imperfect gusho. Imperfect gusho. Because my finger is crooked. I used to, um, I had a boyfriend when I was in um, Davis, California, who was a um, Native American. He was a Osage and Pawnee combination. And um, he taught me really a lot. And one of the things he taught me was that in the tradition, Native American tradition, um, beading, he was a beater and he made beautiful, he was a traditional Indian. There's a um, movement, there was a movement when I was younger. I think now it's quite established and many Indian tribes do this now. They've um, they re-establish, and sometimes never lost it. I mean, sometimes they're really strong, like the Navajo strong tribe. Um, but anyway, he was a beater, and he made traditional Indian, Plains Indian costumes, and he, we would go to powwows together, and he would dance, and it's great. Anyway, he, one of the, th the things is that whenever he would make a beaded thing, he would always make one bead off. And he said that the tradition was that the Indian, Native American, feel that um, it, um, everything is a little bit imperfect and that we should embrace that. And it's a pride for a human being to make something that is really perfect. So, uh, so I think I'm going to embrace my new cashew because <laughs> it's imperfect. It's perfect in its imperfectness. So Suzuki Roshi says in his book, Zen Mind Beginner's Mind, that we have to find our perfection in the imperfect world that we live in. The world we live in is clearly not what we would like it to be. And sometimes we think about ourselves as not what we would like ourselves to be. And it is our work, our job, our joy to find the per perfect, the perfection in us exactly the way we are, this imperfect. Person. When I started um, Zen practice, I was 24 years old, decades ago. <laughs> and um, I wanted to be. I wanted to be. I I wanted to be enlightened. I wanted to be free. And it took me six years of failure, six years of grasping at that, six years of like being willing to stay up all night and the end of session. And, <laughs> and um, I remember one night we were supposed to stay up. It was in Los Angeles. I was very new. It was probably the fifth session I'd done or whatever. And um, I was really on the cusp between staying up, wanting to stay up, and being actually exhausted and, and, and uh, feeling this kind of pressure in me to do what I thought you were supposed to do when actually I was like, you know, barely able to keep my eyes up, let alone stand up. <clears throat> I really 
beat myself up for those six years. Uh, which was exactly what I was supposed to do because my identity at that time was I was a failure. <laughs> so of course I would do that and fail at it over and over and over again. It was just perfect for me. I just, it was a setup. And I joined right in and failed over and over and over and over and over again. And then I, I had a real insight. <laughs> My insight was, why am I doing this? <laughs> instead of feeling like a failure all the time, why don't I just, instead of like aiming for enlightenment, why don't you just aim for not suffering? That was a revelation. And it was terrific for me because I actually could do that. That's really what it was talking about anyway. <laughs> It wasn't so different, just a different attitude. And I, I just, I really grabbed onto that one. You could, I have a, some people call me stubborn. My brother calls me stubborn. <laughs> and he's right, I got it from my father. My father's a really stubborn man. But the other side of stubborn is determined. And I am. I bit onto this thing about not wanting to suffer anymore, and I wouldn't let go until I was done with creating my own suffering and, mo and mostly and not trying anyway. I don't want to hurt anybody else either. They're suffering. So this is something we can do. We can be free of our suffering. And somebody should have told me, you know, at the time. I was doing a different style of Zen, and so instead of um, learning about the Four Noble Truths, the third of which is cause of suffering is grasping, <laughs> that would have been good for me to hear early on. <laughs> so, um, so I changed, and I. I um, was determined to not suffer. I was going to sign up for whatever it took to not suffer. This is what it took. Can I read you a poem? This is a poem by Anita Barrows, and it's called Questo Moro. I hope nobody speaks Italian here. <laughs> because I'm about to, um, I'll try my best. And then it turns into English. Quando mi vide star por fermo e duro, torbato un poco disse, por fide figlio, tra Beatrice e te e questo muro. It means, when he saw me standing there unmoving, he was a bit disturbed and said, Now look, son, between Beatrice and you there is this wall. Um, this is uh, from Dante's Purgatorio. And it's um, he and Virgil are walking out towards Beatrice, his love. Or, or you can, she can represent freedom or your soul something that is fulfilling, love. And they're climbing out, up, out of this depth, and they come, <laughs> they come to a wall of fire. And Virgil stops, and he turns toward this fellow and he says, you have to go now alone, yourself, through this wall of fire. It is the way. It is our way. We have to go directly into our suffering, directly into our individual wall of fire, on the other side of which, here's the poem, Anita Burroughs. You will come at a turning of the trail to a wall of flame 
after the hard climb and the exhausted dreaming, you will come to a place where he with whom you have walked this far will stop, will stand beside you on the treacherous steep path and stare as you shiver at the moving wall, the flame that blocks your vision of what comes after. And that one who you thought would accompany you always, who held your face tenderly a little while in his hands, who pressed the palms of his hands into drenched grass and washed from your cheeks the soot, the tear tracks, he is telling you now that all that stands between you and everything you have known since the beginning is this, this wall between yourself and the beloved, between yourself and your joy, the riverbank swaying with wildflowers, the shaft of sunlight on the rock, the song. Will you pass through it now? Will you let it consume whatever solidness this is you call your life and send you out a tremor of heat a radiance, a changed, flickering thing. So our way is to go right into this suffering that many of you are now noticing. I, I would suggest should be noticing, not should is not such a great word, but it's good if you're noticing that. Right. Often we don't want to go there. So I wrote a list of the ways that we hide. <laughs> so you can add to my list <laughs> we all of us all of us suffer in some way or another no one is exempt we watch TV we drink we manufacture mind states we imagine we stay away from people we eat too much from emotional need. We pretend we're okay. We get depressed instead of grieving and meeting our fears. We get angry instead of feeling our hurt at ourselves and other people. We use too much technology. We have bad relationships, etc., etc., etc. These are just mine. <laughs> <laughs> We do this to avoid our pain, and of course we do. Why not? I think we have to, I think we, what, 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 what? For me, you know, I, I just was tired of suffering. So I don't know if we have to, you know, um, I don't know what it takes. I, I've never been able to understand or figure out how to help somebody speed up this process and take responsibility for their own pain and want to willingly look at it really clearly. I think maybe it's just timing, you know? and all of our timing is different. And so, it, it has to be respected. So I don't think anybody should go any faster than they want to. But at some point, you know, if, if we want to be free, if we want to not swim in the 
place of creating suffering for ourselves and others, like it says in the Fukanza Zengi at the end. Right? No, that's in the Metta Sutta. Anyway, um, so I encourage us all to see if you can stop and settle in and, and understand that we are all doing the same thing. We are all trying to find the courage to stop and settle in to our own authentic suffering, our own doubts, our own fears, our own grief, our own weakness, our own failure, our own imperfection, the fear that we're not good enough. And that's what we do in Sashin. We make a situation that creates a container that's safe. No one's going to care if you sit and you cry on your cushion. I did it for a long time, quietly. Nobody knew, and it was just pouring out of my eyes. No one is going to bother you if you're afraid or if you have thoughts of being a failure. We're trying to give you skill with which to work with all of it. So I want to go over with you the Fukan Sazengi, which we're going to read and chant every day, which you're chanting this morning is pretty good. Completely wholehearted chanting when you chant the Fukan Sazengi in the morning. And in it are instructions of how to open yourself and work with the things about yourself that are imperfect. And love them and have them be okay. Finally, you can admit to yourself that it really is okay to be not okay. It's really okay if your situation is a disaster for starts. And then we learn, we transform that. That's the fertilizer for growing the flower that we all are, each individual one daisies, roses, pansies, chrysanthemums, fuchsias. Did I say roses? <laughs> all different. All wonderful in themselves. So I want to go over to you the Fukan Zazengi, so you're chanting it every day. It should be a reminder of you how to take care of yourself, and what kind of effort to make these next four days now. So, the Fukanza Zengi was written by Dogen, who is a champion of ours in the Soto Zen lineage. He brought our style of sitting from China to Japan. You can all move if you need to from China to the Japan, he, the first part of the Fukanza Zengi is his question, his, uh, his, his burning question, which he went to China to answer, which he did, he got an answer, and he was confirmed by his teacher, Ru Jing, and then he brought that answer and that style back to Japan, and he gave it to us, which is the Fukanza Zengi. He brought back a sitting style called shikantaza, which most of us don't really do. And the reason we don't do it, which I've said a number of times, is that um, first, before you can do shikantaza, you have to be able to aim and sustain the mind in the present moment. Your mind has to be able to stay here. So most of us, in the beginning, certainly me, spent six years <laughs> unnecessary, well, necessary for me, but I hope not necessary for you, um, just 
understanding that what I need to do is be able to aim and sustain the mind in the present moment in the body as a body and then you can do shikantaza which is basically to just simply be what you are which is this everything awake still sensing sensate vast nothing happy sometimes sometimes not happy (laughs) so he says right at the beginning it's really great he says he says what what is true Uh, let's see the Dharma vehicle is free and untrammeled well I didn't start at the beginning the way is here it is the way is basically perfect and all pervading that's it the way is perfect just the way it is everywhere all pervading it's perfect that's what we are okay but we don't believe it and matter of fact we're going to convince everybody else that's not true (laughs) first we try to convince ourselves we know it to be we're not perfect no 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 must be Buddha they're talking about Buddha not me I'm not Buddha Yes, same mind. It's just covered up by this yammering. So if everything is perfect already the way it is, then what need is there for concentrated effort? He says, he's asking. If everything is perfect, why should we brush it clean? If everything is perfect, why are there steps and stages? Why do I have to practice? If everything is realization, why do I have to do this silly forms and bows and facing the wall and bringing my mind back? It's already perfect. What's the problem? The problem is, and yet. It's in the fifth line, and yet. So there's a really nice poem that came to mind about and yet. And I want to, it's a haiku, so it's very short, because I'm probably running out of time already. The haiku is by Isa. He was a Zen master poet, and um, he had a really hard life. He lost his wife and he lost three children. And at the grave of his uh, daughter, when he lost his daughter, he wrote this haiku. The world of dew is the world of dew, and yet, and yet. So everything is impermanent, everything is change. Why would a Zen master cry at the grave of his daughter if he knows that everything is empty? It's true, that is true. And yet, and yet. There is this world. And we have to pay attention. So he says, and yet, if there's the slightest discrepancy, if there's the least like or dislike, the mind is lost in confusion. If we grab onto any of these thoughts that are chattering about, our mind is lost in confusion. We cannot see clearly that this very moment, just exactly the way it is, is perfect, is Buddha mind, including the thoughts that are yammering about. But we don't see it that way. So if there's the slightest bit of doubt, the slightest bit of grabbing to thoughts, we think that what we are is not enough. The slightest separation, then immediately we feel a lack. So our way is to be 100% with each activity, no separation, completely chanting in the morning, 
not thinking about whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense or whether we should be chanting at all this time in the morning or whether this is a good chant or not a good chant or whether I'm chanting correctly or the other person next to me certainly is not chanting correctly. <laughs> no. Just, <laughs> just 100% you chant. Your full body and breath chanting. And this is a great part. Suppose one gains pride of understanding and inflates one's own enlightenment. I love this part. Limpsing the wisdom that runs through all things, attaining the way and clarifying the mind, raising an aspiration to escalate the very sky. Then he puts you down a little bit. He says, one is only making the initial partial excursions about the frontier, but is still somewhat deficient in the vital way of total emancipation. <laughs> That's an inside joke, I guess. <laughs> and then he lists, he talks about the Buddha, he talks about Bodhidharma. These are people who sat Buddha six years, Bodhidharma nine years, Tia 40 years. <laughs> Slow student. What can I say? Um, He says, you know, this is what these people did. Since this was the case with the saints of old, how could we today dispense with negotiating the way? How can we today dispense with sitting? Sitting is our practice. Just stopping, sitting down, and looking at what's going on. Letting it go through. Processing it in the body. It's a body. Zen is a body practice. It's in the body. Bring this yammering, chattering thing into the body. And the energy in the body there will transform. You don't grab on to the chattering mind. It will transform that energy. And he says that. Don't practice based on intellectual understanding. Practice is not about, you know, understanding the teaching. It's about living and embodying the teaching, the practice. It doesn't make any difference if you're smart or not smart. It's the same, he says. That doesn't matter. What matters is, is that you sit and look. Anybody can do it. Matter of fact, it says in Zen to practice like a fool, like an idiot. It means to take this and throw it away. Although we do have to study. Study is wonderful. But studying understanding that we have to take that study and make it embody it. We have to take whatever insight and understanding we have and embody that understanding. So he says, cast aside all involvements and cease all affairs. Do not think good and bad. Don't administer pros and cons. Cease all the movements of the conscious mind, the gauging of all thoughts and views. Cease all the movements. So a thought can come up, that's okay. But don't make a thought train. Don't grab onto it and make a drama. Don't consciously grab onto thought and embellish it. Don't have any design on becoming a Buddha. No. Just spread out a thick matting, make yourself comfortable, be in a room with other people who are doing it as well, make the temperature so it's pretty good. Sorry, today. (laughs) Went off. But make temperature comfortable, not too cold, not too hot. Eat a good amount of food, but not too much in moderation. Thank you, kitchen, for making it through today. You should be comfortable. Have your robes and belt loosely bound. And then pay attention to your posture. He does the whole next bottom of this page and top of this page all about posture. It takes years to find your posture, so don't worry about it. It's very subtle. It becomes very subtle. But the main thing is, is to sit with your back upright so you can breathe. 
okay? Sit upright so you can breathe. If you can't sit upright and you find yourself slouching and you keep raising up all day long and it begins to ache in your back, sit in a chair. If you remember during the day, you stand upright, these muscles will get strong enough and they'll hold you up straight. You want to have a straight back so you can breathe easily and your body can begin to relax. You want these muscles up here on top of your shoulders to relax. Relax, 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 relax. Not rigid, not rigid. Relax your body. Relax your arms. Relax, relax your jaw muscles around your eyes. Relax everything. Relax. Sit up. Your bones can hold you up. Your muscles don't need to hold you up. If you balance, that's why he says go forward and back and left and right. Because if you balance correctly and if you have a good foundation in the hips, your spine will hold you up. Your bones will hold you up. And you don't need to hold yourself up with your muscles. You can relax muscles if you balance correctly and if your head is like I learned this when I had my bike accident (laughs) my head couldn't this part wouldn't hold my my head up your head is heavy so if you're tilted forward you're this you're gonna really strain or if you tend to go this way or that way it's gonna really strain you want to balance your this I think it's like 10 pounds is it 10 pounds it's heavy you want to balance it. You want to balance it right on top of the spinal spine. Not too much forward, not too much back. Right there. So you want to pull up from the back. Anyway, it's subtle. You'll find yourself finding your own body. Each person's posture is a little bit different. You have to find yourself where your balance is, how to relax. And it changes as you sit over years. It gets more and more subtle. It's kind of neat. You meet your body. Then here's the key. This part, top of the page when you turn it over. He says, settle into a steady, immovable sitting position. Sit still if you can. Certainly don't itch. If you have an itch, don't itch. Don't do that. Sit still. If you can, sit still. Still body, still mind. Still mind, still body. They come together. Now, think of not thinking. How do you think of not thinking? Non-thinking. Well, that's ridiculous. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, we all know what thinking is. Thinking is la-di-da-di-da-di-da. And then you embellish. That's thinking. Not thinking is suppressing that thought, suppressing the mind. You don't want to do that. You want the mind to have its time. So what will happen is a thought will come up. You see it. It'll stay for a moment. And then it goes. That's non-thinking. Okay? You're, you're established as the, as the awareness around that thought. You're established as the watcher. You can see a thought arise out of nothing, stay for a minute, and go back into nothing. It takes a while, but work at it. The more you bring your mind back, every time it starts thinking and going away, The more you do that, the more possibility that you move from not thinking and thinking into non-thinking, which is simply sitting and seeing thought come up, thought go away. Sensation come up, sensation go away. Feeling come up, feeling go away. That's it. That's all we are. Thought, sensation, energy. Emotion, energy, emotion, sensation in the body and thought. Can you explain the difference between, like, let's say you have something goes by in the street and you, you have a thought, and then there's like a visual of something mm-hmm. that brings up pain. So, can you explain? I mean, the way I understand it is once, like, I have a little there, it's happening. So then I try to put it in the body, 
Is that, or do I try to put it away? Don't, no. I wouldn't try, if I may say. Let me start at the end first. The idea is to not activate the self. Don't do selfing. So if you're trying, you're selfing. Right. Right? So from your point of view, don't do anything. Just be aware of that. And then the next thing happens. Then the next, it's all going to change. Just stay with what actually is happening from the place of awareness. Okay, you understand? Okay, right. Okay. So we're meditating today, for example, there were you know, there were birds chirping. So I heard the sound and then I noticed bird chirping sounds nice. I thought, Oh, that's thinking, just go back to the sound. Good for you. I mean with cars going by, I noticed at a certain point that I felt like they were going in both directions and then I realized it's a one way street and then I realized I was thinking. But then, <laughs> <laughs> that's then great. I tried to go back to sound, but I still Good. like when the cars would go by, a lot of times I'd get caught in like, where is it coming from, where is it going, and, and noticing that it, it felt, didn't feel like it was going that way. So there's sort of like this, but again, that was like noticing I was thinking and trying right. to go back to the sound. That's right, lots of thinking. Just go back to the sound. Just go back to the sound. Like a fool, like an idiot. Just drop it. When you see your mind doing that, just drop it and come right back. That, that's a good amount of awareness you have there. Okay? So make a commitment. When you notice that that's what you're doing, not you, the mind is doing it. Stop it and come back. Gently. Just say, right, so just say, like, I. It's more like just redirecting back to the Just redirect back. Of, uh, yes. I'm stop it yes. Just, just redirect it. back to sensation. Yeah. Was there another question? No? Uh, is that where, like, when you're talking about redirecting? You know, thought, thought, thought uh, back into body, the body sensation. Uh, I mean, I guess, what is the body sensation? Would that be something like just redirecting me back into your breathing? Or oh, that's a very it? good question. Yeah. What is a body sensation? That's a very good question. See, if you were sitting next to me in Dokusan, <laughs> in Dokusan, I would. I would take. I would ask you first if it's okay. Okay, and then I would take out my little stick and I would go, bop. And then you could tell me what a body sensation is. <laughs> That's a body sensation. Right? Okay. And there are lots of them. They're all different kinds. There's warmth and there's pinching feeling and there's like touching, you know, sensation of, of softness and all kinds of body sensations, right? We're touchy-feely people. Right? It's wonderful. And there are kinds that are intense, and that's what we call pain. But if you actually investigate the intensity, it, if, you don't, if you don't just say pain, but you, ca- you call it intense, and you can actually go there and look at it, it's really interesting because it'll all move around, and sometimes it'll be pulsing, sometimes it'll be hot, sometimes it'll be stabbing. It's all different. It's kind of interesting. You can use it as a concentration object, pain. It's a very good one, actually. But don't hurt yourself. You know, if you have pain in your knee and it's sharp, move. If you have pain in the sciatica, move. We're not talking about that kind of investigation. But regular pain, like an itch. Don't just scratch it. An itch is really tough. You know, you've got a lot of concentration if you can feel the itch and not find your hand going up there and scratching it. Like I just did. <laughs> that's that's what we mean when we mean sensation for the body. I should keep going. All right. Um, okay. Concentrate your efforts single-mindedly on each thing, wholehearted. Uh, practice realization is naturally undefiled. He means naturally. Practice realization is not two. He means undefiled means not 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 dual, not two. And so he suggests going, practicing every day. In general, in this world and other worlds in China, blah, blah blah, we all sit. He's saying, they negotiate the way solely by zazen sitting. And then he suggests. You don't have to go to dusty realms or any place else. It's good. You can sit right here. You have Brooklyn Zen Center. 
Then he says, don't use your time in vain. Who would take wasteful delight in the spark from the Flintstone? Don't chase after things that are impermanent. Go deep. Find what is always, always. Not passing ephemeral states of mind or objects. Go deep and find what's here all the time. Then he says, please, honored followers of Zen, he's talking to you, please, long accustomed to groping for the elephant. I don't know why, is that, that sounds like it's a bad thing. I love elephants. But I, I think maybe he, don't grope, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And then he says also, don't be suspicious of the true dragon. True dragon. Devote your energies to a way that directly indicates the absolute. Now he's pointing you toward the absolute. Revere the person who's saying that. Gain accord with the enlightenment of the Buddhas. Succeed. It's your birthright. Succeed to the legitimate lineage of the ancestors' samadhi. It's you. It is who you are. Join that lineage. Constantly perform in such a manner. It needs to be consistent. All the time mindfulness. Continuity of mindfulness all day long. That's what Zen is about. And you are assured of being a person such as they. He's guaranteeing, just like the Buddha. That's why we sit for seven days. Eventually we'll sit for seven days. Because the Buddha said, if you do this, he said for seven months, I think, and then he said he shortened it. No, if you do this for seven weeks, and then he shortened it again. If you do this for seven days, guaranteed, you can understand. So we do it. That's where we get this from. But anyway, Dogen says, just constantly perform in such a manner. Sit and be mindful, 100% wholehearted practice in everything that you do, in each activity, walking, cutting, going to the bathroom, everything. Do not pull the toilet paper before you're finished peeing. Very difficult practice. <laughs> That's a word I've seen many times, but I have absolutely no conception of what that actually is. And it's almost like when I hear that, I don't really know what to do with it. And then, and then when you say go back to what you're doing, like something mundane like the toilet paper, that's very immediate. And there, it seems like there's like a mile between those two things. And I don't know whether to just forget about this whole idea of samadhi and just worry about the toilet paper. <laughs> that would be good. Like that's, what sounds, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, that it would be like good. It's a deterrent to even consider that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like peppered throughout these writings. It's like this little, like, by the way, you're going to, this yeah. is what it is. And it's like, I don't know how to work with that. Yeah. Kind of, I don't know if it's in my way. Well, if you think it's in your way, then it is in your way. Okay? And then in that case, you can just forget it and pay attention to the toilet paper. Samadhi is just a word that means concentration, really. It just means concentration. And there are lots of levels of concentration. Okay. You know, in our lineage, Samadhi, it's more useful, I guess you can say. What say about Samadhi? Say something. Say about Whatever you would say about it. You see, there are a lot of levels of there are a lot of different levels of samadhi. I mean, it's um, it's the idea when you see the word one when you see the phrase one pointed concentration, and that's one of the definitions of samadhi. So it's bringing the mind <coughs> bringing the mind to a most traditionally it's bringing the mind to an object in um, in a very singularly focused way, and um, there's a lot of practices that encourage samadhi. Samadhi people use mantra practice and focus on a, a phrase, they use objects, they use the breath. Breath is a samadhi practice. 
So bringing your mind back to the breath over and over and over in a singularly focused way, just to encourage concentration. But um, and then eventually that grows into it not needing to be, just training the mind to be focused in such a way that it can stop worrying about being focused, right. actually. Right. So getting too worried about focus can actually be a deterrent, but it's also a kind of training that we kind of need, so it's a double-edged sword. Thanks. So samadhi isn't like an abstract concept, it's a state you're in? It's a, it's a uh, concentrated state. You've, done, you've had lots of samadhis. So it's just a concentrated state. And um, just like Greg said, um, if you emphasize, um, I shouldn't even say this. All we need is, ac it's called access concentration. Enough concentration so that your mind is present and stays where you want it to be. Okay? That's a great question. Thank you. I wanted that to be general. I didn't mean to like No, it's, I, the reason I'm thanking you is because that's why I really like us to ask questions. Because your question is lots of people's questions. And also I want you to hear each other and be able to speak so that we can have a conversation. Uh, it's really, I, 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 it's important to me to hear you guys say things. Morgan? Um, this isn't a question, it's a little bit of a comment on that, that the Flintstone line. Yes. was very striking to me because um, I had recently was out in the wilderness and people were really making fire from a bow, like without any matches. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it sometimes took them an hour. Yeah. And uh, so when there was a little uh, ember, <laughs> it was like a huge event. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it was also cold. And if you didn't, if you didn't yeah. start that fire, you were going to be without food and without heat. Yeah. And really kind of up a creek. Yeah. So that line was very stood out. <laughs> If there's any something I talk about you don't understand, please ask. So the last line is, after he says, constantly perform in such a manner and you are assured of being a person such as they, he says, your treasure store will open of itself and you will use it at will. Your treasure store, you already have your treasure store will simply be available to you, and then you will use it at will. Okay, so I'm trying tonight to encourage you to keep going. The first day is hard. It's no fun. And oftentimes we don't like what we see. Um, please keep going. Please walk through, find, Find, be willing to find your wall of fire. Find it. And then walk straight into it. That's the path. The path is right into the suffering. And the reason is, is because, this is neat, I said this to my brother the other day and he really liked it. The point is not to suffer. The point is to be free of the suffering, but in order to be free of the suffering, you have to see it clearly. And in order to see it, you have to be it. I was saying that I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something new. remember it. You have to be it to see it. To see it clearly, you have to be it. You have to let yourself be your authentic, twisted up, unhappy, pathetic <laughs> failure of a self. <laughs> if that's what you are. Which is great. 
because on the one hand you're perfect just that way and eventually you will learn to love that love that one not some better one you think you're going to be this one you'll be it you'll see it and the seeing of it the letting yourself be it is going to be the development of love for yourself and then other people and that's the way it works and then the mind that is available to you will tap you on the shoulder and tell you who you are in depth in depth so please keep going tomorrow may be just as hard as today there's every likelihood <laughs> that it might be but just keep coming back to yourself and letting go keep coming back don't grasp keep coming back don't grasp just stabilize the mind in the present moment and watch the impermanence come and go thought sensation emotion state mood keep coming up like a upside down waterfall and as your mind gets stable you can just watch the show and then it gets even more interesting okay so keep at it Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.